welcome to the 84th episode of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense Anime Podcast. Today, we are covering the 8th week of the 2019 winter anime season. 8 is my lucky number! I'm excited! Woo! Okay, as always, we include timestamps in the description of the YouTube video and the podcast feed if you only want to hear about, I guess, a few shows because you're lame. And I guess we also spoil literally everything. So, Casuals. Yeah, fucking filthy casuals. My name is Kat, and now that I have met Leo, and I realize how close we actually live to each other, I know abducting him one day will be so much easier. I'm afraid. (laughs) You should be. Also with me are Leo and Vcom. Hi. Okay, I met Leo too, uh, and I know that uh, abducting him would be pretty easy because he's small and portable. (laughs) (laughs) He's not that tiny. Leo has the most amazing beard. Like he he has one of the only beards on a guy that I've ever seen that I'm like, you you actually did good with that. Someone (laughs) in our Discord told him he looks like Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead. I was like, yes, he does. Uh (laughs) You got that beard. Uh, What'd you do for nonsense, Beacom? And then we'll get back to that. Oh, okay. So I went, I made the mistake of going to see another anime movie in theaters. Another um, anime movie? <gasps> yeah. Fate Stay Night, Heaven's Feel, Part 2. Shit, I forget the subtitle for this one. It might as well be uh, Pervy. <laughs> the Pervy section. Pervy Boogaloo. <laughs> the H, the H part. <laughs> oh um. So, I say mistake because, like, so I went to a different theater from that one last time where I watched Mirai, and they, like, showed the wrong movie, and then they moved us to another theater, and they showed the English dub instead of the Japanese. I remember that story. (laughs) It's so bad. So, I went to the good theater this time, and I'm sitting there in, like, the opening credits part, and I'm like, this is really strange. Like, all of these, like, voice actor interviews are, like, the English dub actors for Heaven's Feel Part 1. This is really weird. Oh, no. Like, why... They keep talking about Heaven's Feel Part One. I'm I'm so confused. Like even the trivia section is it, it has Heaven Feel Part One <laughs> Presage Flower like printed. I'm like so confused watching all these previews. The movie starts. It's fucking Heaven's Feel Part One, and like the whole audience goes like ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so like like literally That's- like. Three minutes after, like they immediately just switch over. Oh, they go just, to like the. <laughs> oh, sorry. How do you what? make I'm that mistake? That's crazy. A bunch of like angry weaves just like standing up from their seats, like ah, and, like throwing popcorn like in the aisles, exactly. like having a rage mosh pit, and like weird like movie people coming in and like trying to calm them and like. <laughs> Breaking news, weebs take over local theater and the whole manager hostage. Just the idea of seeing a bunch of like enraged weebs just like moshing angrily with popcorn flying in the air. I would it's love like all, this. All these angry weebs are like, we paid good money to see Sakura Mato get naked and we're not going to be deprived. We're not leaving you- until you show it to us. <laughs> and so oh they have to switch back so like basically the movie theater system operates as like a dvr except like a high quality dvr so it's like a dish network thing so they oh go back God. out to the dish network screen right on this <laughs> dvr and like you can see that one of the movies is called heaven's feel and the other one is called fate stay night and i guess 
the Heaven's Feel one was part one, and the Fate Stay Night one is the one they actually needed to click, which was Fate uh, Stay Night, Heaven's Feel part two. And that's, that's how they screwed it up. So you oh, might want to actually research to make. a little bit before you decide <laughs> you want to play a fucking movie in your theater. <laughs> you, you would think, yeah. Huh. That, okay, look, the high school student upstairs taking care of that doesn't feel like he gets paid enough oh, to do that. Know, yeah. I get that, though. I do, I do get that. Yeah. Oh. But uh, the movie was... Pretty solid, actually. It's like a really gorgeous movie from uh, UFO Table again, and they always do gorgeous stuff. But like the background art in this is just like so slick and beautiful. Um, it's a really pervy movie uh, at times, uh, which hey, it's fun, whatever. Um, it's a it's a really man. I so I had never read this part of the Fate visual novel. It's the third and final part. And it definitely goes places. <laughs> like it goes some dark and weird da- places. Dark, and warm places. Yeah, the, the places the cat knows very well, yeah. but I usually <laughs> don't go. <laughs> and so I'm, wow. I'm sitting there like, wow, holy shit. Cat would be in there like, eh, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I've seen better, but you know. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I would recommend watching it. Like I, I liked it maybe slightly less than the first part, but it was definitely like really interesting. I just think there were fewer cool battle scenes, though the ones that they did have were amazing. Um, but it was, it was a little bit drawn out, I think because it's the middle part. And so it was a little longer than it needed to be probably to get through all of that exposition in the middle part. So I was like a little bored by the end of the movie, but there were still just enough peaks that it like kept me interested. Uh, mm-hmm. so it was good times. Yeah. Cool. So with me, it was pretty interesting. So brains from the trash pandas drove down and stayed the weekend with cat. Yeah, so, he did. It was fun. Cat like threatened believe. me. To, to, like we're meeting up. <laughs> well, okay, because I was like, okay, we should meet up on Friday. And Leo's like, I don't know. And he's like trying to come up with excuses. He's like, I have this going on on Friday. I have this going. I'm like, no, Leo, this is happening. You don't understand. Yeah. Like, so I'm pretty sure that brains can find your house if we need to. He does have <laughs> connections. And you're just like, fuck, she's right. And then you're like, okay, I'll meet you here in this neutral location. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's pretty much in the middle. It was almost exactly 40 minutes for both of us to get there. Yeah, And I remember Kat distinctly saying, wow, we're a lot closer than I thought. <laughs> and I was like, shit. <laughs> She's like, wow, we could do this more often. I'm like, oh, no. So, yeah, we, I just picked like a like a, 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 a local brewery to go to, you know, so oh, nice. c- kind of her brain so you could try some of the beer. And we met up there, and uh, Kat kept trying to put something in my drink. I don't know what that was about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh-huh. No, but it was a really fun meetup because I, I got there first. So I went ahead and got the table and I sat down and I was like, I'm a, I'm left in the bar. Well, they came in and like almost walked past and I was just like, hey, and then Kat gets like this huge shocked look on her face and Brain's just like, what's up? And I was like, what's that about, Kat? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just had this image of you in my head and it, was, it wasn't That's, the same image. And I really want to know what that image was because you were... <laughs> The shock on your face. I was like, "What the fuck was she imagining?" <laughs> well, because you said your hair was long, but so I was imagining like you know the the usual neck beard type with like like skinny with like long hair, you know. And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, we're gonna find this person." And then I was like, "Nope, nope, nope. That person's too well groomed. 
nope. Um, da, 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 da. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, it's him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Damn, heaven forbid I take care of myself. Yeah, but yeah. that was, it was awesome. We we actually sat there and talked for five hours and could have kept going. Could have kept going easily, but they had to get back. But it was pretty fun conversations. <laughs> there, there was a couple of funny points where like, uh, Brains and I would start talking about video games and Kat just like, She's like, uh huh. Oh, I would tune yeah. out. Uh huh. Oh, I yeah. Was and done. I would start laughing because you <laughs> you were doing it so robotically. <laughs> and then at I one point, into, like, I had mode. to explain to her what a nerf is. A nerf? Yeah, like how a game gets a nerf, like nerf a character or a weapon. Oh, a nerf. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had no idea. We had to explain that to her. But other than that, you know, we talked about anime and everything else, and it was it was really fun. I wouldn't mind meeting up again either. Yeah, nice. no, I would totally be down for it. Yeah, like, and then they would go back to anime, and I would get so animated for a while, and I'd just be like, thank <laughs> God, we're back to what I know. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. It was great. But uh, yeah. We, no. Oh, we That's all, awesome. Brains also educated us a lot on uh, tanks. <laughs> that happened, too. <laughs> and headphones. He educated oh, headphones, us a lot yeah. on headphones, yeah. The bone conductive headphones, he really likes them. Yeah, they're epic. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, because I was like, these do not work. Well, because I, I have a pair of swim, swim bone-connecting headphones, but they're mm-hmm. a few years old, and like the technology has definitely improved since those, Huh? because they're a lot better than the ones I've never even looked into those. That's cool. Yeah, well, they're cool. Yeah, and I looked into them then because I can wear them at work, because I don't have to take my earplugs out. Oh, so smart. That, yeah, it works for me. <laughs> So after that, they left, and I was I was definitely afraid for Brains' life. I didn't know what Cat was taking him into that night. <laughs> so Brains has been going through some hard times, and I was like, we're going to take you out. We're going to party. I'm going to show you a good time. It's going to be great. And so we went to the liquor store on our way, picked oh up a bottle of vodka, and I was like, this should be more than enough. I never drink more. You know, I'm okay. We get to the club. Sign in, takes a while, put the vodka down in the area where people are allowed to put their drinks. Through the course of that night, we drank that entire fucking bottle between the two of us. Oh my god. I don't know how we lived. Oh man. Like I remember the last time I drank an entire bottle of vodka with like a couple people and it it did not go well. I was like wandering <laughs> around a, a foreign city at night un, unaware of where I was. It was not good. No, it was great. It was great. And like it, I had somehow managed to buy a type of vodka that had like the slippery silver like cap and it mm-hmm. was it was so like I have weak like hand strength because my hands are actually kind of small like i have friends call them like doll hands <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, i have i have girlfriends who can like put their hand over my hand and like bend a whole knuckle over so my you're saying is you're like a real you're like a real life chaos no, character I just, like little tiny just hands. My hands yeah are weird so Man, i like i didn't notice i should i'll have to pay attention next time <laughs> trying to open this fucking bottle and i couldn't because it's too slippery and like too it was too you know all that and so i'd like go across the whole club and there's like music and there's people like naked just in the middle of the club and i'd be like tripping over them and like stepping sorry about that and then like get to kyle and be like kyle open the bottle i can't open it (laughs) because i couldn't open it (laughs) 
<laughs> and then Kyle would be like, okay. And he'd like open it. And then he'd like pour one for himself. And I'd be like, thanks. <laughs> Unbelievable. <sighs> yeah, I messaged and, Kat the next morning. I was like, is he alive? She goes, well, he's snoring. <laughs> well, we got back at like like 5.30 or something in the morning. Jesus. And and I like looked out and, and he, I was still the text and I was like, is he alive? And I like went out and checked the couch and I just heard like, and I'm like, yeah, he's alive. He's alive. That's good. He's good. He's good. We had a blast though. It was a ton of fun. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys got to meet up and it was a really good time. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was very, it was fun. You know what else is a really good time? Mob Psycho 100. Part Yay. two. I yes. feel like I wrote this synopsis forever ago. Tell us the alter. <laughs> well, tell us the title of this episode, Leo, and then tell us the actual title of this episode. Uh, I like how we both kind of went with the same joke, but it's called <laughs> "Even Then, Continue Forward." But I thought it'd be more appropriately titled "Mob Runs with the Wind." <laughs> yeah, or I told I called it like "Run with the Mob." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it totally is that yep. running episode. <clears throat> So the Psycho Helmet religion is, like, getting out of hand. It's pretty funny. They have, like, built themselves an HQ and expanded to, like, 700-some members. Uh, Ichi also thinks it's finally time to reveal Mob to them. And, like, the school has this upcoming marathon. So she asks Mob to use his powers and, like, blow everybody away at the race. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, like, also, uh, like, the association is going to be there because they know he went to that... uh, that school because they saw him at a Regan's press conference. Like they were able to recognize his school uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, even though mom still doesn't want to, but he does want to get in the top 10 so he can finally confess to Subomi. So yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> You're a little too weak for that. And then like basically everybody. And I mean, everybody starts helping mob train in some way for the marathon that's coming up in 10, 10 days. Uh, he like ends up getting a pair of running shoes from Tenga. Uh, Reagan tells him to take time off from work and even runs with him. And like, of course, it's a fitness club's like lecturing him and trains mob and running. Even his brother and uh, Taruki fill in for him at work so he can concentrate on running. And it's kind of funny because while he's there, uh, Ritsu hides when Subomi and a friend named Miki yeah. come in for relationship advice. And at first, it's just Miki who's asking for advice. But uh, Subomi looks like She's like kind of bored and she's looking around and she sees some photos on the wall for like satisfied customers and mobs even in one of them. So she asks for advice about a guy she talks to all the time and goes to a different cram school. No. Uh, yeah, Regan, with somebody else. Yeah, no. Regan unknowingly <laughs> says she should go ahead and ask him out not knowing she ha- she is mob's crush. And Ritsu's like, I don't have the heart to tell my brother about this that she's actually in love with somebody else. But right afterwards, we quickly find out that she just made that up to test Regan. So yeah. her friend wouldn't get scammed. Which uh, is smart. Yeah. And then like yeah. it specifically shows that she definitely noticed Mop's photo. Like they, it does a, a a shot back to her like looking at the board and just zooming in on that photo. So So she's actually observant. Yeah. She's uh <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes you think she might also have always had feelings for Mob also, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the day of the marathon arrives. And as soon as it starts, like Like, apparently it's really bad scrape because like it just looked like a scrape to me but shit like doesn't he yeah i mean it's pretty obvious it's hard passes out later from the running or whatever 
Yeah, yeah. So I was like, or, oh, and shit. like he's just trying his best, and Subomi does notice. So that's interesting. Uh, he at one point he really starts to struggle, and Regan shows up to run with him like the last kilometer to help him maintain pace. And then suddenly, like Mob just wakes up in the nurse's office and apparently passed out during the race. He never even finished it. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, his brother managed to get ninth place. Uh, Mob's and, like, like really happy for his brother too, which is cute. yeah, yeah. And then back at home, like they're waiting for Mob to get home when the doorbell rings, and then like Ritsu answers it, and he finds uh, his name was Sho Suzuki. He's from the end of season one at the door. He's part uh, of like Claw or whatever. That yeah, could, he's like yeah. A, just a really powerful Esper, and Ritsu becomes immediately worried. And then on his way home, Mob sees smoke and arrives at his house to find it burning. He's kind of shell-shocked and just walks into the house looking for his family. He eventually opens a door into one of the upstairs rooms and finds three charred bodies. And then he does that, like, triple question mark thing. Damn, you summarized that in two sentences. I would have I would spent so long on that. <laughs> like, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I was shocked that they showed the bodies. Like, oh, fuck, his family is fucking dead. Maybe like, I, that I, is a huge. I don't deal. see the show doing that. that. That seems out of place. I hope that they do. Not that I, I hope also that hope his they do. Family is dead, <laughs> but like I feel like if they're gonna do that and then psych us out and be like, oh, but they're not really dead, I'm gonna be disappointed in the show because I hate psych outs like that. It's kind of bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I could have drawn that out, but it was just him walking around as a dimple, like yeah. Tries to tell him to settle down or something like that. And it's, it's whatever. <laughs> so I thought they set this scene up well in a, a couple different ways. Like, um, well, there was first one thing. Like, uh, in earlier in the episode, they show him, like, with his parents when he's a little kid. And he scrapes his knee. And then he loses control of his powers. And, like, things start, like, floating through the air. That's, like, in the very mm-hmm. first scene of the episode. And so, actually, like, when he scraped his knee in the, like, the track meet basically the marathon i actually thought he might lose control of his powers yeah or but use nothing his powers nothing comes of it nothing comes of it because he's learned like to control himself like entirely and i think that's the point of that point part in the episode to show you like oh he's completely in control now like he's mm-hmm. he'll never lose control blah, blah 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 but then like also throughout the episode there's all these moments where like you just get these great moments with Mob's parents and with Ritsu, who all like support him despite how weird he is and like love him unconditionally. And then like at the end, when he comes back to his home, like completely on fire and like is like just hoping that they're anywhere, that they're anywhere, not here. Like, well, Ritsu was home. He would have taken care of them. Like anything would have happened. Like there's no way that they would be here and then walks into that room and sees the charred bodies on the floor. Dad's so reliable. And yeah, yeah, exactly. It just, yeah. it just rips his whole like support network away from him in just like this really dra- dramatic way that of course he goes into the like triple question mark percentage thing. Like, yeah. Um, I don't expect his whole family to be dead. I feel like that's very cruel. And like, as Leo always says, if you don't see the death on camera, it's usually not real. But man, if this is the way they chose to do it, man, that would be a really powerful and dark way for the series to go. Yeah. And I think it it would have so much impact and it would make me respect the series as a whole a lot more than if they do the bullshit like, oh, we psyched you out. And mm-hmm. it had this dramatic moment, and now it didn't really happen. I'm going to be really angry if that's what they maybe, do. Maybe for us, but I think like a larger 
broader of their audience wouldn't want that to happen at all. You know, yeah. the larger, broader audience is a bunch of pussies. And sometimes <laughs> in a show, eggs got to get cracked to make a good show. Let you got to break the, a few eggs. <laughs> I'll make the most uh, well-known spoiler possible right now about the Avengers movie that was re- recently came back. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel the same now. way as Kat about that. Like, where it's like, oh, everybody died? Good. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, if, they like don't, if they don't people. take it back, no take backsies on deaths, okay? No, don't take back. <laughs> like, if, if you do the bullshit where you're like, oh, but not really, I don't trust you anymore as a narrator. And yeah, also, Marvel is heavily going that direction. Come oh, absolutely. On. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows. But, like, uh, in the sense, in that sense, I still think, like, in Endgame, whatever the new movie coming out, like, it'll be about the journey to getting them back. And, like, whereas here, I think, like, even in the moment, this worked really well. Like, this was shocking to me. And it took me a a moment before I really thought about it and was like, wait, are they actually doing this? But so, like, before I got to that cynical point, I was, like, really shocked by this and actually really worked for me like emotionally yeah, it did really work and like i said if they keep it this way then i will have a huge <laughs> amount of respect for mob as a series and in fact i will say that this series is even better than the first season which is something that i think a lot of anime you can't say usually yeah. the season two is not as good as season one so i'm i'm just ready to expect a lot of disappointment from cat next week <laughs> oh just wait if if it comes and it's like they're not really dead, just just wait for the rage quit. Just the oh, I'm, I know it's gonna come. It's gonna be oh Jesus. My my predictions will be something like Claw like knows about like Mob's like question mark percent thing, and they wanted to like force him push, into it yeah, or some bullshit. I don't know, but like we'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe they really did it, but uh. Let's go from fake running with the wind to real running with the wind. <laughs> yeah, uh, run with the wind. Listen, you got to admit this show's getting good. Come on. Come on. Oh, yeah. It's it's climaxing with uh, I, the moment of release. I, loved, I read this title just started laughing. I was <laughs> like, what? The moment of release. So the moment of release makes sense, though, in this episode. There's like several moments of release, I feel like, but uh, none of the type that Leo and Kat are thinking about. So this is episode 19. <laughs> Um, so we, yeah, we pick up with Prince running in the first leg of the Hakone and he's taking Haiji's advice and drafting off of a pack of runners in front of him to get like a windbreak, they call it. So he can conserve his stamina. Um, and so like 17 kilometers in the runners reach this Rokugo bridge, which is an uphill section. And like the pack starts to pull ahead of Prince finally. Um, and by the way, almost everyone else on their team is like listening to this through like either a radio broadcast or live stream on their phone. So you feel like everybody's like invested in the race and like watching. They're not just like sitting around or anything. Um, prior to the race, Haiji told Prince that as long as he stayed with the pack up to the bridge, even if he fell back at that point, he could still hand the sash to Musa without too much time loss. Uh, so like Prince muses that like, the real race is from leg two on then. And he says he'll just finish as fast as he can and return to his comics since he's an amateur anyway. And like Haiji's like, okay, yeah. And just like apologizes to Prince for forcing him into doing all this in the first place. But despite all this, as Prince is running, he keeps telling himself that he's strong and that he's worked hard to succeed and all this stuff. And meanwhile, the TV broadcasters are singling out um, an exchange student named Iwanki, who we've seen before. 
uh, who they're looking forward to in section two because he ran it last year as well in that like legendary sprint. Um, and so this is going to be Iwanki's like fourth Hakone and his last one. And the TV broadcasters then turn to Musa and Kakaru, who are like watching this on their phone. And they point out that Musa is another exchange student, though they mention like he's on an engineering scholarship. He's not here for running. But um, they also talk about like how unique Kansei's team is and everything. And Iwanki comes over to, to them to tell Kakaru that like he enjoyed their qualifier race. Uh, and he's disappointed that he's not going to face off against him. But Kakaru is like, well, don't worry, because we got our ace, Musa, who's not going to let you just win easily. Um, so yeah, just building Musa up a little bit. So Shindo also calls Musa before the race to encourage him. And yeah, Shindo's from like Yamagata prefecture in Northern Japan. And he tells Musa like they should go visit his home after the race and see all the snow. Cause I guess Musa's never seen snow before. Um, and by the way, like Shindo's still got a fever and Yuki is taking care of him, but like, damn, he's kind of fucked for his leg of the race i'm yeah, looking forward to that episode doing for the, the the his leg because like i think i think that's gonna be next weekend yeah that's yeah. rough well because um, this episode was very lighthearted almost but like it shit. was yeah and also has has most of the people in japan not seen snow because like most of japan doesn't get snow so and I there's like really... a lot of northern parts of Japan that definitely do. I don't know how often it snows in like Tokyo or Osaka, but it, it I, does I snow like sometimes. Sapporo and like the areas around there would snow, but then oh, yeah. the rest of Japan, not so much. Well, it's like still like somewhat temperate, so I assume they'll get snow sometimes at least, but I don't know how often. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So at the twenty kilometer point in the race, the like the old coach like is driving behind Prince and like says, oh, I have a message from Haiji for you. And he just says, there's something I never got to tell you. Come to Surumi even if you have to crawl. And that's like the next checkpoint that Prince has to reach. And like Prince has been thinking that Haiji hasn't been expecting much of him. And so like he flashes back to their conversation. Like he remembers that like he had told him he wanted to hear something more encouraging, like something from Hajime no Ippo or for something from Hashita no Joe, like some like really encouraging manga bullshit that's like, those guys don't want kindness. They just want to be told that they have to win and they're expected to win. And so when he hears this message from Haiji, he gets really pumped up. And so he's coming down the final stretch and he thinks to himself, like, I hate running and like Haiji dragged me into this. But also, if I don't finish now after coming so far, I'd hate myself even more. And so like he's like elated once he finally sees Musa like beckoning to him at the checkpoint and he passes passes the sash onto him and finally like this whole burden of like everything like being the worst in the whole group having to like become like an actual runner from being somebody who could barely walk basically <laughs> and, like all of that is like in this moment of release like put onto the shoulders of the next guy and he can finally just let go and he like collapses into hygiene Kaku's arms is pretty great um mm-hmm. And so, yeah, then it's Moose's turn. Uh, he starts, like, the flat section. And he kind of, like, imagines himself running on the, a plane in Tanzania where he's from. And, like, because of this illusion, he's actually going, like, too fast of a pace. And so Heidi has to, like, catch up to him at one point and give him some water and tell him, just like, hey, relax. Like, you're running too fast. Like, you're already passing people. Like, you're good. Um, he also gave him advice before the race to be, like, calm and confident and, like, just that, like, section two isn't, like, the end-all, be-all. Like, the, he doesn't have to, like, win back, like, first place here. Like, as long as he just, like, 
is solid. Like they'll be fine. Um, and yeah, like Musa feels better after like Kaiji gives him some water and like, uh, even though he thought he slowed down his pace, he like keeps passing people. Um, and he also thinks to himself that the meaning of running is like more than just speed. It's about your teammates and your opponents and like hearing the voices of encouragement from the crowd and letting all of that propel you forward, which makes sense for his character as he's like the guy who supports everybody else most of the time. And so now he's the one being supported. And so like he hands the sash on to Jota and like King tells Musa that he passed seven runners in section two, which puts them in 14th place. And so Jota starts running the third leg, and he had just cryptically cryptically told King that, like, since King hasn't been going to job interviews, he should run next year. But Jota also kind of implied that he won't be running again. Um, and so Jota's thinking about Joji during his leg of the race and how despite being twins with him, they're different in a lot of ways, which is like, finally, they're differentiating between oh, the two I twins. Know. I was like, we're <laughs> finally going to answer this fucking question and i love how like basically he says oh like joji's the one who's gonna keep running but i get the girl in the end (laughs) that's how that's totally how he feels yeah because yeah joji's the one who like jota has noticed has been like training before dawn at times or like when they're running with kakuru he's trying to perfect his form to like catch up to him and like surpass him and Jota's all like, yeah, I want to see him do that, but, like, it's not for me. Like, that's not what I want. Um, and Jota thinks that it's time for him to, like, release that part of his soul that, like, has connected him with Joji all these years or that he's, like, resided in, basically, he says. And, like, meanwhile, Jota is passing a few more runners. And, like, at this point, he sees Hanako on the sideline. And she's yelling, like, Fighto to him and stuff. And, like... <laughs> He thinks to himself that maybe, just maybe, Hanako likes him. Well, because doesn't so- <laughs> she have to go all the way from the front of the race and, like, get to his yeah. portion? Like, she went out of her fucking way, like, majorly yep. to do this. So, you you know, she means something. She means something, yeah. yeah. And he hands the sash off to Joji, and he's like, I think Hana likes me! And Joji starts, like, screaming and runs off, and that's where the episode ends. <laughs> um, so, but the thing is, like, what if Hanako catches up to Joji in the next part of the race oh, and, like, no. cares for him, too? I'd be like, no, Hana, <laughs> you only get one! You can't marry them both! I'm just imagining, like, a weird marriage ceremony where she's got one of them on either side of her... Yeah. She's just like, I, I promise to cherish them both. It's like, no, bitch. You gotta pick one. They set up a situation, though, where, like, they did a really good job of, like, differentiating. Like, this is what Joda wants. This is what Joji wants. So it could be a situation where she did see that difference in the two of them. And she does like one of them and not the other. Oh, like, yeah. Like, they finally figured out a way to set that up. So Th- That's what we'll I think see. they're really doing. I-, I think that's the whole point of that part of the episode. I just like mm-hmm. my little jokes. But, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious that basically Joji is going to keep going. And and uh, Jota is going to get the girl. <laughs> even also, even slip, split. So. Yeah. And I also like that uh, each person... Uh, in their own section of the race is clearly going to learn like what running means to them as, mm-hmm. as part of this. And it's like going to be a culmination of like the things that they've learned over the course of the show. And so it's just nicely written. Like it was nicely set up and it's all coming to fruition now, which is good. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I've known a lot of people who are twins weirdly enough. 
Um, and there is that weird point where they like a lot of twins feel this intense need to differentiate themselves. Yeah. Like for a long time, they're like, we are the same and that's all fine and good. But then at some point there becomes this weird moment where like, they're like, we need to be different, very yeah. different. <laughs> so it's interesting that they're having that moment now in college. Because a lot of twins have that way early, like when they start to be. Yeah. I knew a pair of twins who kind of went through that in high school. Like they Yeah, were, it's usually yeah. high school or middle yeah. school. Like two different groups of friends instead of the same group of friends, like completely splitting off into different interests. Yeah. Yeah. One of them usually cuts their hair. One of them dyes <laughs> it or something. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, it's interesting that they're having this so late. It makes me think they must have really had a strong bond of some kind, because usually this will happen much earlier. Yeah. So, But hey, they didn't fight or anything, because most of the time that split off is like, fuck you! I hope I never see your face again, which is my face! So at least they didn't do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Speaking of the same exact face... Leo, tell us about Kamari Kursa. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. Once again, the most boring show that we've covered. In oh, no. Running time. with the Wind is the most boring show we're Oh, covering. no, no. I think this may, in my opinion, be the most boring show I've ever covered on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, one thing I do have to say about Running with the Wind is uh, three down, seven more to go, and then we could fucking turn it off. <laughs> That's what mm-hmm. I say about Kamori Kusa. Oh shit, I only have to watch how many more of these fucking episodes. Every fucking time the show's on, I'm like, I have to I have to at least try to pay attention. Okay. Oh, Go ahead, boy. Leo. Go so ahead. <laughs> we uh we resume with the squad just finishing up a battle and recovering. They're trying to stay in like the lighter fog areas and as far away from the roots as they can, just you know, to avoid battles. Uh but they don't have a very reliable map. Hey, but no worries because the little robot they are start calling white one shows up with a, like a way more detailed map for them. I'm sorry. When you say it like that, white one. It's well, in Japanese really they call bad. him Shiro. They it call him Shiro, really which means bad. white. Yeah, yeah. It means white one. I know it's funny that they translate it as like the white one. I, like oh like when weird. Cat shows up to glow in the dark bowling alleys, it's the oh, white no. one. She glows. <laughs> I'm so. I actually am so fucking pale that when I go to the glow in the dark, like like the black light, yeah, it makes you, it, it you makes glow my a skin glow. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> so with the better map, they can now navigate their way from island eight to island nine, where they believe the trunk of the red tree is. Uh, they eventually come across like a train tunnel with no red fog and travel through it. Uh, White one also continues to follow them and asks Wakaba if he needs more help. And it also like learns the names of all the other girls. So that was kind of, that was cool. It was interesting. Yeah. I wonder why it wanted that information. Hmm. Hmm. They continue through the tunnel and Wakaba reads some more like journal entries, apparent entries, entries. Bleh. Apparently Ren is in possession of the memory Kamarikusa and Wakaba like asks her if he can touch it. And she's like, oh, <laughs> no, you can't eat. Dirty and pervy. I don't know. <laughs> well, he's, she's like he's like asking to like reach inside of her like torso and touch her from her. You know, it's like a little private. You know, I don't know. <laughs> if you touch my Kamirikusa, I'll touch your Kamirikusa. Oh, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> now there's gonna be porn online about that, Leo. What the oh, fuck? Yeah. 
this porn oh. about everything. It was inevitable anyway. <laughs> oh man! Now just a, oh god, it's a glow in the dark. Like they just touch it and it glows, and they go, "Oh yes!" Oh fuck. Okay. Um, I did notice there was one point where the the old one, the older sister, mm-hmm. she like falls yeah. down at the beginning, and it's I was so too. angry because she's like. Or something. And like try, <laughs> tries to make some stupid cat noise when she fucking falls on the ground. It's like no I took one a drink does when that. You said that. That was almost a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody fucking does that. From somebody named Cat, you know, I think she, the lady doth protest too much. Is I what I think. Mad. I'm just saying, no one does that. And I was like, how dare they try and sneak this stupid cat noise into her falling on the ground let me just put my protest there on that (laughs) so they're coming out of the tunnel and into a station they find that their path has been blocked by like a cave-in and wakaba can also sense that there's like red root on the other side and that's what caused like the cave-in so they end up taking this path next to him and leads them to like outside and they what they see is like a huge mountain in the distance and in between them and the mountains they large valley that's like super super thick with red fog and they don't know what to do and white one asks if another map would help that's when they then follow it to like a ferry boat that's like full of a bunch of these smaller white ones and like the little <laughs> the smaller white ones. <laughs> okay <laughs> the, the the little robots say like all kinds of stuff like captain's gone no more job red roots came from other side uh, they came from Island Line, and they asked Wakaba to be their new captain, and they give them orders. They just live to serve. They could have been called the Black Ones, and this would have been oh, way worse. Shit, Leo, <laughs> fuck. Been really bad. Fuck. Glad they avoided that. Yeah, that could have oh been a bad, pretty big disaster. Just I, like I just hate the fact that they started calling him captain. Like, why not just bring him a fucking ship hat or something? Make him a pirate. <laughs> I don't know. Like, captain, so, my captain. Yeah. So he asked for like a map of Island 9, and like one of the other little robots had it. And they find a path that could potentially take them there. Unfortunately, there's that red root that's laying over this bridge. And they're kind of sitting there trying to think of a plan. And then like the white ones all combine to like this big machine with pincers and offer to cut the root. And they go and do that, but like it tries to fight back a little bit, but they end up cutting it in the end and they're like oh well we're going to stop functioning bef- before we turn into the red ones now but we're very thankful wakaba gave them purpose again hmm. be calm had to wipe the tears from his eyes i never thought i'd get so upset about a bunch of roombas dying <laughs> <laughs> but like they're more than just roombas they have uh they have kamari kusa leaves inside them and yep. like so they're kind of living things and also, maybe not too different from the girls, by the way, who may may not be much more than robotic tools themselves. There may be oh. some kind of connection, yes. Uh, they were originally supposed to be sex dolls, Kat. Uh, didn't work. Uh, and, like, Ren gets moved by Wakaba crying over them and asks if he would cry if, like, one of them died. He's like, of course! <laughs> yeah, but I think she was asking that because, like, uh, he's crying over these robots and they're kind of similar to them. And she wants to know, mm. like, would you cry for me too? I guess it's a little bit cheesy, but I guess why she, I understand why she asked. Yeah. And so then they go along the path and they come out on the other side and they find the mountain covered in red roots and frog, fog, bleh, 
frogs. Uh, Ren, <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh, Ren also says she doesn't want anybody to die, even Wakaba. So she's like wow. really come around on him. So that's awesome. Yeah, they've definitely come around with him. Like I noticed that between like this episode and the last episode, uh, Wakaba no longer has those vines around his torso that they had like had him in since episode like one because they didn't trust him. So they they clearly trust him now. Um. And so, yeah, we learned a lot about the Shiro or the white, like, BB-8 units, whatever the Roombas. Like, <laughs> the white Roombas. <laughs> yeah. So since they can, like, co- transform together and become, like, larger robots, it's very clear, like, they form all of the red bugs. Like, the corrupted white ones are the red bugs. Um, like, once they've been corrupted by the red smoke. Right. Um, but they also mentioned that they don't like the blue smoke either. Because uh, we saw last episode that that can corrupt them as well to like uh, co-opt them to protect like the blue like to wall. defend the wall. Yeah, that was interesting. So they clearly had an initial captain who they they prefer taking orders from him, which is interesting, or her, um, which I assume was probably like the first person or something that they always refer to. Uh, and like Wakaba is somehow related to that person. That's why they kind of want him to be the captain again or something. So that was cool. Um, there was also like a theory alluded to in the yellow Kamuri Kusa pages that the sisters represent different parts of the body or senses, like the eyes, ears, nose, and tongue. Like uh, yeah, Rin is the body. Yeah. Stuff I like that. I think that had more to do with why some of them have different senses. Yeah. Like Riku with the skin, like being able to feel and stuff like that. Yeah. And it just got me thinking, like, I wonder if all the sisters are going to, like, form, like, a Power Rangers robot at the end of this show <laughs> to fight a big bug, because I'd be so down for that. <laughs> I wonder if they're all parts of, like, one whole, and that's going to be, like, the big I just really climax. hope it has Ritsu's ears to piss Cat off. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Oh, it's going to be so good. I'm going to buy that figure. <laughs> actually oh, i don't even want a figure i just want two fox ears that i can just like put on top of a shelf somewhere oh no <laughs> yeah it has like it has like it has like a, a, a the green base that kind of goes off yeah. a little bit so it's so perfect <laughs> if those fox ears exist i don't know like i'm buying Humanity is lost. a pair no you're gonna buy a pair and then i'm yes. gonna put them on you because i will never wear them how dare you suggest that no they you will don't ever... wear them you just set them on like a shelf somewhere so it looks like she's there listening in on you and talking with you Ugh. Like, I don't know. we'll meet sticky. up and i'll be like i have a gift for you cat uh, we'll be like Ooh, what is no. it and i'll be like ta-da I kind of want them to be sticky animal. so I can stick them to like the side of a bookshelf like Ooh. like or, like uh, yeah, i don't know it'd be fun that'd be perfect anyway I really want some now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> They're real, it's a great idea. Leo, I have Ooh. a business proposition for these guys. Let's email them. All right, so uh, let's move on to the Promised Neverland. Cat, tell us about other business propositions. <laughs> so so shit gets episode. real this episode. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, it, it actually made me wonder if it's different from the manga, considering how much happened this episode. I doubt yeah. it because, like, I think everything was set up to ready to go at this point. Like, it had built up for so long to this point. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like, we kind of knew this shit was coming. So, like, it starts out with Crone getting that letter, like the last episode. And Crone. <laughs> Crone. Well, that's how well, they, okay. that's how they pronounce her name in Japanese. Yeah, like, I noticed so that this episode too. I did oh, really? too. I kept yeah. thinking, like, huh. the reason they're saying Crone is because they're Japanese and they can't conceive of the idea that there's like a syllable and they're not going to pronounce the <laughs> syllable. Like that doesn't exist in their brain. 
So I'm actually curious how they pronounce it in the, that. There's got to be an English dub for this, I assume, which I haven't seen. But I'm, I'm curious if they say crone. It was made in Japan. They probably say crone. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. We'll but see. Who knows? Well, but yeah. E and hiragana or whatever is a. That's how they do say it. So mm-hmm. this it's not too surprising. Which yeah. really, if you think about it, like the idea that we have syllables in our words that we choose not to pronounce because we all have like weird schizoid language tendencies. Knife is is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Like, we all just collectively looked at it and we're like, we're going to put it there, but we're not going to say it. That That's really dumb of us. Like, that's Indeed. that's on us more than them. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so Krone stills in half. Like, so I thought when she, she gets so basically you find out she's going to be a mama, like a mom at another plant that's like not as nice as the plant that they're at right now. Um, and I. So basically, Isabella is bribing her to leave. Like, she wants Crone out, and she doesn't want her to make a fuss, so she's bribing her. And I thought that Crone would be happy. I I thought she'd be like, okay, I'm getting what I wanted, whatever, that's all I wanted, I'm out of here. But she doesn't. She's very angry. And this Mm -hmm. makes me think, like, she definitely had a a grudge against Isabella in particular. Yeah. Like, this wasn't just, as she said, like, Oh, I want to get ahead or whatever. It, it's definitely not about that. It's definitely about her versus Isabella. And I don't know if that's a rivalry thing or if that's because she has a grudge against her for something she did. But there's definitely something going on there. I think she wants to prove that she's just as good as her. Like, it might just be like a, that kind of like jealous inadequacy feelings. Like Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, oh yeah, something else is going on here. Because otherwise she'd just be like, yep, that's a great get thing for me. Um, but I guess we'll never know because of what happens next. So <laughs> um, so she, she gets like all her shit, goes to the drop-off area. There's this lady there who's apparently the grandma. So like the one in charge of all of the moms. Clearly, she flat out looks like a grandma. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, Tells her everything she knows. Basically is like, listen, these uh, all these other kids know now. It's getting out of control. Blah, blah, blah. The grandma is basically like, well, it doesn't matter what you say because I need Isabella. And so I'm just going to like throw like kind of shoo this under the rug. And you reporting to the, this to me is a problem. So well, she kind of kind of like actually I've been in on this with Isabella the whole time too. <laughs> yeah, like she basically knew. Like it and it doesn't matter. She basically Crona finds out it doesn't like it's rigged, right? It doesn't matter what Isabella does. Because Isabella makes these high quality like food meals that <laughs> none of the other um none of the other plants, plants can do. make. Yeah. It doesn't matter what rules she breaks. They need her. And so also, they're going to shove whatever she does under the radar. And also grandma alludes to the fact that like she used to be the mom of this plant. And Isabella was one of those, the kids, like the orphans back in the day. Like there's this brief scene where you see Isabella standing on top of a wall, like just like, like, like Emma would or like Norman would to like try to escape. But yeah. like she was able to control Isabella and like, change her mind and she basically trusts in Isabella to do the same with like this crop of like 
you know, high quality resources, whatever they consider them. So, yeah, it was interesting. So, like, once Krone kind of realizes that, she's, like, fucked. Well, yeah, and she basically is like, oh, I am I am screwed. And I almost wonder, I wonder to myself, were they going to ever let her escape? Like, if she'd just been like, okay, and left, do you think they would have let her? Maybe, but... Because <clears throat> part uh, of me is like, no, they were going to fucking kill her. But then the other part of me is like, no, maybe they would have just let her if she just shut her mouth and been like, okay... But she's not that type of person, though. Like so, and I think they know that about her. I think Isabella has suspected that. I mean, they they are pretty insightful. But yeah, so because because she went and tattled, like they have a demon running. They're like, now you're going to get fed to the demon, bad girl. And like you feel for her though, like because she has these flashbacks right before she's about to die, and you just see like how hard her life has been, Mm -hmm. and like how hard she's worked to get where she is. And, like, all the effort she put into surviving, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and basically her time when she was at the orphanage as a child herself. Yeah. And and just how, like, and then she went through that terrible surgery and, like, fuck. And then she had to wrestle a bunch of people and, like, apparently sew for some <laughs> asinine yeah. reason. It was like sure... the training to become a mom. Yeah, well, is like, what it was. You don't need to know how to sew a freaking heart on a piece of cloth to be a mom. <laughs> well, look, these kids are running around. They're playing tag every day. They're losing their buttons. You know, you got to uh-huh. sew those clothes up. You, you got to yep. be, be military trained to <laughs> sew a button. Well, I don't but know. I think, I think the thing with Crone is that, like, basically at the end of the day, she never really accepted the role of being a mom. Like she always, I think had that like rebellious spirit spirit and was always going to want to try to either escape, but like she tried to make the best of being a mom, but she just couldn't do it. She's not Isabella. Like her situation. I also think the sewing could be just like an image thing. Like the moms had to have a a certain image. Yeah. So that's probably just part of it. I don't know. Who knows? But then what the fuck is with this flower? Why would a demon be like, you know okay. how I choose to kill her? I know it's symbolic and all that bullshit. But no, like- no, 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 no. This is a made-up flower for this show specifically. Yeah. And what it does is it preserves the bodies. So she's going to go get eaten. It like basically yeah. sucks blood out of them, sort of, and like preserves them. Yeah. 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 I, I had it, to look it up because I wanted to know if it was a real flower or not. It's not a real flower. It's just completely made up for the show to serve the purpose of preserving the bodies, which is why Connie got stabbed with it. It's why in like the OP, I think, it shows like everybody who's dead is stabbed with one. This is because they're being preserved for the demons. Yep. Okay. Because I was like, yeah. What? Like, I figured it was symbolic or something. So I was like, why would you. I, I did too because I'm like <laughs> flowers have a lot of symbolism and I look it up and I'm like it's not even a fucking real flower god damn it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I was like okay you stabbed her with a flower and now she's dead apparently what the fuck but yeah so that happened and then you get this scene with Ray and Isabella where he's like oh let's go switch out the chem because remember he had that excuse where he's like oh they're gonna try and po- poison you Mm-hmm. And so he's like, let's go switch out the chemicals so they don't poison you. And they go upstairs. And then when he's on the stairs, she's like, I eliminated Crone. And, yeah. and he's like, bum, bum, bum. And then they go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then she's like, I didn't need her anymore. That's why I eliminated her. 
And then she's like, and now you too. And I'm like, oh, fuck. As we predicted, Isabella has been like five steps ahead of these people. Oh, yeah. I mean, she is an adult. Like, I get it. Like, she's supposed to be smarter. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. she wouldn't be in this position. Um, And she's somehow foreseen everything that they were going to do. Like, she knows. So basically, the whole reason that Ray was doing this is to try and, like, do a distraction so the kids could inspect the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knows that they're doing that like she knows everything and so she locks Ray into this room and she's like I'm gonna go get them and like goes and Gilda <laughs> and Don like see Isabella come out with Route Ray and I just think it's so funny she just walks past them she's just like oh I see you guys bye and it's just <laughs> I don't know <laughs> And they're like, oh, that was weird. And the Don goes and like breaks down the door with Ray in it. And I, they decide that they're gonna try to stop Isabella instead of trying to like prevent the kids from like meeting her and like stopping them, which I think was a weird choice. Mm, I guess I don't know. I mean, I like, mean, like I, guess. I think they, they know that see. Emma and Norman are in trouble right now, so they're running to Isabella to try and catch up. I mean, yeah, it's whatever. But apparently it doesn't work anyway. I mean, Isabella was going to... Isabella meets up with Emma and Norman. And Isabella says, like, in ten years, this is the first time I've talked to you without acting. It's just us. Let's talk candidly. And you're like, oh! Oh, no! And you're freaking out. Here she is. (laughs) I know. And she's like, I love you so much. And that's why I want you to give up. Doesn't she say, like, I love you like my own children? Yeah. Basically. Like, Like they are her children, she feels. Yeah, Yeah, and she's like, I don't want you to suffer. I want you to have a happy life for as long (laughs) as your life can be. And it's almost like that argument of what you would say to a cow. If a cow could talk, right? You'd be like, I don't (laughs) want you to fight and be stressed. Because that's hard on you. And I want you to have a happy life before I eat you. It's this whole thing of like, don't make me do this to you. Like, is what she's saying. Basically. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And and she's like, outside is full of despair. And you don't want that. You don't want to live like that. And um, basically, they're not buying it. And Emma tackles Isabella while Norman goes for this bag. And Isabella's like, that's what I was waiting for. And just fucking annihilates Uh, Emma's leg. (laughs) Isabella's just kind of like, I guess we're going to do this. And just snaps her fucking leg. And I'm like, just annihilates her. Just, oh, like crushes it. Like bends it backwards, basically. Her fucking knee is just done. And so Emma's like on the ground, like screaming. And like the crunching noise that it made. Oh, God, it was good. Oh, it was a good. And it, like the dead <laughs> silence for a second. Like they were they were playing that for emphasis. I like how Isabella says, like, it's been a long time since you hugged me, Emma. Like she read like oh, Emma tackling her as like a hug. And she's like patting Emma's head, like, oh, here, here, there, there. It's it's fucking sick. You're like, it wasn't a fucking hug, bitch. And like, yeah, they all catch up at this point. So everyone's in this clearing. And Isabella's like, I had to do this because otherwise you guys weren't gonna give up. And I and I thought about it for a second. I'm like, oh, she picked Emma because they <laughs> all love Emma, and like they won't leave without her. Good so, point. Yeah. 
like and think about it like if if she done this to Norman or if she done this to Ray, like the other one might leave without you know them, but not Emma. Yep. She's like the center of that whole triangle, like she makes everything work. Yep. Yeah. And then and then she's like, "Norman, your time is up. You're going <laughs> to leave tomorrow." And then Norman's like, "Done enough." And like that's the end of that episode. And you're yeah. like, "Fuck." So there was some really good stuff I liked in this episode where they were cutting between different scenes, like when Crone is about to get eaten by like those aliens that like they've given her up for dead, basically, um, it cuts to like Isabella and the children back in like the food hall saying like "Eat to Dakimas," like thank oh, you for the food. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was oh. that was cryptic and good. <laughs> so good. And then um, it was like, "Gosh," it was like, "Thank you for the meal." After the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, like, "Fuck." A- there's like a couple things, like a little things. Like Crone leaves behind this pen that was in that montage that she picked up when she was still in like training school to be a mom. She leaves that and something else in Ray's bed drawer. So that'll be a thing, I guess, whatever that is. And yeah, when Isabella drops her act, it's really unsettling. I, I That part like really got under my skin. But uh, I also wondered what the significance was of like Ray. He's in the middle of a conversation with Isabella when she, like, basically, like, tells him, like, I'm turning on you and, like, I don't need you anymore. And he starts coughing. And I was like, I wonder if these – is this just, like, a nervous cough or is he, like, sick and it's coming out now? Like, is there something wrong with Ray that we don't know about? I was even thinking, like, maybe she poisoned him. But I don't know if that's the case or not. Because um, they had been talking about chemicals and stuff. And I was like, oh, shit. What if she, like, poisoned Ray? But mm-hmm. maybe it was just a random cough, but, like, you don't usually see random coughs in anime, so I'm wondering yeah. what that's about. That is a little odd. I'm glad uh, we finally got to this, like, climactic point, though. But that, like, I when I think about it, I'm like, okay, like, where do things go from here? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's so really... Fucked. Yeah, it's like, uh, she's... I don't know what... what the kids can do they're completely outmatched by isabella (laughs) yeah shit i think they just gotta do their best and just make a run for it at this point well it's gonna be hard for emma to run for a long time (laughs) well they're gonna have to carry her or some shit i don't know (laughs) launch her in a catapult (laughs) or maybe they'll like feed emma to the king and then emma will like stab him from the inside and just be like Um, bye bitch Considering their extensive skills, I'm pretty sure they know how to make a splint. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. She's still going to need some time to recover, though. And in that time, it seems like Norman's going to have to leave. So I think think they'll all be shipped even before her bone even remotely starts healing. Could be, yeah. In in like a month they got left? Something like that, yeah. I I don't know exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm just wanting to see... If it all comes around, and then Emma's like the next great mom. Oh, that would be so weird. Oh, that would be gross. It'd be so fucked up. That would be so fucked up. And like, what? So like, even more fucked up stuff would happen to make Emma have this like, change of mind. Just like a crazy psychotic break. That's what would have to happen. I don't know if I want to see She would have to stay like smart and cool like Isabella is, I think could happen i guess if they're playing the long game if she feels like that's the only way for her to win eventually maybe maybe all Mm. right 
Well, let's take a break and hear a word from our other fellow podcasters. And we'll be right yeah. back. See you Ooh. in a minute. Hi, I'm JD, your host of the Red Leaf Retrocast, your best location to learn, remember, and relive the past to the present. Our podcast has four shows for you to listen to between retro gaming, modern gaming, anime, and even wrestling. The Retro Gaming Cast covers discussion topics, and each episode we discuss retro games picked based on a decided theme for that episode, ranging from space all the way to console specials like the old handheld Game Boy. Our Modern Gaming Cast is monthly and covers video game titles that were released in that previous month. Each anime cast, we focus to review a retro anime each and every episode, like the original Mobile Suit Gundam to the racing hit Initial D. But that's not all. We also keep up with the seasonal shows by occasionally doing impressions and reviews as well. Finally, our last show is about wrestling, where we keep the rising indie scene up to date while also covering shows from the bigger promotions like Ring of Honor, New Japan, and WWE, so we cover it all. We also cover a retired wrestler every episode in what we call the Wrestler Spotlight and are currently on a quest covering old WCW Thunder episodes from the late 90s. Every cast. So if any one of those casts sound like something you'd like to check out, that's the Red Leaf Retrocast Gaming, Anime, and Wrestling, found at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting sites. Also, you can learn, remember, and relive the past to the present. We can't wait to see you soon. The following is an extract from Reanimator Pod episode 47, Blood, Blood, Blood. Taka discusses Des Irae. Most of the characters in the show, particularly the villains, have more than one name, like many more than one. For example, the super powerful mage from my synopsis is Carl Kraft, also known as Mercurius, also known as Faust, also known as St. Germain, also known as Paracelsus, also known as Cagliostro, also known as Capophilia Smudge. Woo! Okay, that last one is a reanimator special, but the rest are all legit. Like, he actually has those names. How about a few more? He's got more names? No, no, no they're other oh. characters. He actually had that many names, though. Wilhelm Ehrenberg is Kazikli Bay, because why not? Valeria Trifa is Christoph Lohengrin, who's a priest and is commonly referred to as Father. Lord Heydrich is also Reinhard. And Teresia is Rhea, but Fuji Ren, aka Zarahustra, is our main character and also refers to Rhea as Senpai. So we never really learn her name until other characters start calling her Rhea. But really, her name's Teresia, so I don't really know how that adds up. <sighs> and if you like that and you want to hear more from the Reanimator Pod, head on over to reanimatorpod.com. That's R E Anime. T-O-R-Pod.com. New episodes are out every Monday. And we are back with JoJo. 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 And we finished our review of JoJo. Man, where did the time go? Let's move I on to the mystical. So I can't fucking help. Oh I no, you're gonna be it. so sad. It changes. <sighs> this was the last episode. Yeah. Well, I've, I still haven't seen the new opening, but I hear it's great, so don't worry. I don't know. No, how, what can be better than fighting? The ED is not as good as this one, though. I don't know what the ED is. Interesting. Something different. But uh 
episode 21, The Mystery of Emperor Chris Crimson, which is still The Mystery of Emperor Chris Crimson, because I don't know what his powers do. I think what? I'm starting to get a grasp on I, it. But okay, it's, I yeah. honestly do have a pretty good grasp I'm comfortable with, but like, even after watching the episode, I still had to do some like research into it. Yeah. Uh, well, so, uh, I will say his his uh stand is the ugliest fucking stand so far. Oh, do you not oh, like that so, extra face faces? in its forehead? Yeah. yeah, it's got like an extra <laughs> face and it, it looks weird. It looks like a misshapen shark. It's really fucking weird. <laughs> okay, so before I even try to tackle what his powers actually do, I'm going to take a drink of this whiskey and hopefully it gives me some courage. Oh no, Leo! <laughs> Don't do it! <laughs> and we've lost him. Oh, I'm here. So Sober Leo is gone. This is another way to skip moments in time. Just drink enough whiskey and you'll, you'll These, wake up and not know where it went. And things happened, but you don't remember them. <laughs> so we're going to call him King Crimson because that's his actual name. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So just bear with me. Uh, outside some uh, weird stuff that like happens really quick, like Naranchi and Mista are like fighting over some chocolates and then they like suddenly end up in... <laughs> Naranchi's mouth without his knowledge and he's just like mm, nom, 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 nom. He, well, I love how he doesn't question he's just no, he like doesn't. they're just like in there <laughs> I think them. anybody's going to question something if it's suddenly in your mouth and you don't remember putting it there yourself I, you wouldn't just be like yeah you'd be like what the fuck <laughs> but it, this is Naranchi we're talking about here so uh, and then like also, when Fugo asks Giorno to uh, pass him a bottle of water, Giorno never actually gets over to him to give him the water, but he just suddenly has it. A second a second later, Giorno's like, hey, thanks. And he, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Giorno, but Fu, uh, Fugo's like, hey, thanks. Giorno's like, what the fuck is going on? So he Giorno really- literally says, something's bizarre. <laughs> oh, I know. I made a note of that. And I was like, this is epic. He just... <laughs> He Something said it. Dropped bizarre. it. <laughs> so Giorno's very suspicious and he steps onto the island and like Leone starts to yell at him to get off it when like he is just suddenly at, at Giorno's back with a hand on his shoulder. And then now everybody's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is, it's like all their shocked faces, especially like I think Leone's was the best because he's just like, and how did I get over here? <laughs> <laughs> So this is basically being all synced up with what like what happened with Bruno on the inside, I'm assuming. Right? Yeah. So what you thought become, yeah. Uh but then they will go back to Bruno who has a fist through his stomach, but he then like zips it up and it locks uh King Crimson's fist at him. But it's not enough as he explains that he can see the moves ahead and nobody remembers what happened during that time when he looks ahead in time. And I just wrote that line myself, and I'm still baffled. Uh, (laughs) After doing some reading up, what he does is he removes himself from reality. So he's able to move around, but still not able to alter anything until he comes back into reality. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So, like, he he sees what's happening, and then he's like, all right, well, I'll just move over here, so I'll dodge the punch this time, you know? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. This is so crazy. Uh, but then, like, Bruno gets, like, this, like, crazy fatal wound. 
Uh, I lost my place. There's too much typing. Oh, that's okay. Okay, yeah. So Bruno suffers uh, like a fatal wound from this, and he like goes down. And like since he's out of the way, uh, probably shouldn't say his name because I haven't revealed it yet. Yeah. Boss Gangman goes over to Trish and can sense that she's definitely his daughter and must kill her to secure his throne because she would also be able to sense that he is her father. And mm-hmm. just Luke, before I am your father, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Trish, I am your father. Uh, and just before he can get the killing blow, Jorno turns the ladybug button that's like on the back of him into like, uh, they borrowed some of the genes from the tor- turtle and King Crimson gets sucked like back in before he can kill Trish. Okay, and what like, is this show's obsession with turtles? Uh, well, <laughs> other seasons it's usually dogs, but oh, yeah, <laughs> at like, this season there's been a lot of turtles, like an abnormal amount of tur- turtles. It's the same turtle; it just has a really good stand ability. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like Bruno, also quickly unzips the floor so the turtle like falls into the water system and gets carried away. Uh, and, <laughs> and we're just not called Nerdum another nonsense quote for no reason. So get ready. <laughs> yeah. King Crimson is back immediately, and Bruno somehow tricks him when he uses his time skip and manages to like unzip a pillar and get away from him and up to like the first floor. Then Giorno immediately heals Bruno because he finds him up there and checks out the hole in the floor to see, to see suddenly see the zipper disappearing, which may, may, basically means Bruno's dead. Uh, he turns around to like find Bruno dead, and he doesn't understand because he's like, "I just healed him. I just gave him everything. Why? Why did he die?" And then like Bruno's ghost tells Giorno to get the others and get out of there, <laughs> yeah, and then he turns the around to look for it when Bruno sits up himself himself and he's like, "We gotta go." <laughs> this, it's so I God, this whole synopsis as I'm running it is just like this sounds so fucking crazy. It's uh, it is really it's, weird. It's dare I say bizarre. <laughs> so the to others me, arrive yeah. and they all flee. Even like King Crimson is afraid to face all six because one of them would like would likely see his face. He's really just not want to see his face seen. Uh, Do you guys want to say something? Well, I was thinking about like Bruno, and I was like, well. Maybe he died, but then, like, King Crimson deleted the time of his death or something. So he's, like, some kind of weird zombie in limbo right now oh, where he, his body doesn't possess the knowledge of his death. So, like, he can still continue to move on, but, like, he's actually dead. Because he doesn't, like, feel pain or anything, right? Well, you're, I think you're yeah, about to talk about that. Yeah, the nail later, like, as yeah. we'll say in a minute. Can, yeah. can, can I go get a tinfoil hat first real quick? Sure, go for it. <laughs> so they get outside, and Bruno gives everybody the choice of going with him or not. Since betraying the boss means you're probably dead, anyways. Like they <laughs> all feel like that they, they're not going to make it. And then, like he also falls to the ground for a moment, and he says it must be because he lost so much blood. But uh, Giorno is like really confused because he's like, my stand would have replaced the blood, also. And he also notices that like Bruno's hand has been like pierced by like this like splinter on the ground. And then there's just like no blood coming out of it. So it was, yeah. it was really weird. So it like made I say, me think for a second, like, is it not really him? Like, is it like a replacement? Like, maybe. It's all fake. So it's all just to fi- find out which ones are going to betray him. Like the boss. Uh, it's rough. I don't know. I don't uh, think so. That would be so convoluted. But <laughs> 
So anyways, like I said, he gave everybody a choice to come with him or not. But uh, Leone is like the first to decide he'll go with him. And he kind of says because he only feels comfortable around him. And like he's kind of he kind of saved him, you know, from the past. Uh, mm-hmm. And Mista is kind of like, if we do manage to kill the boss, then I might move up in rank. So then he joins. And Jorno was kind of on board the whole time anyways, but whatever. And Fugo and Narancia haven't decided yet. And so like Narancia! He's my favorite. (laughs) So they they go ahead and they start, like, going away in the boat. And then, like, last minute, Narancia realizes he, like, relates to Trish a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. abandoned by his parents, yada, yada, yada. and. And then he's like, I will protect her. And like, he swims after them. It's kind of funny. Yeah. He's like, wait, and, wait for me. And they're like, it took you fucking long enough. Yeah. Dude. And like, they stop and they get him in the boat. And it's like, okay, that's cool. But like, in the end, Fugo, he just never, he never decided to join them. So he kind of Fuck just off, goes his Fugo. own way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then it finally closes out with like some guy saying, Squallow, we have some traitors and it's come straight from the boss. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. So I I guess I, I was really confused about King Crimson's range because like I was confused in the beginning of the episode um, when the guys start feeling the effects of time and everything. I was like, oh, why are they feeling it? Like was King Crimson out on the docks? And that, that can't be because he's up in the clock tower. He's waiting for right, Bruno right. to get up there. And then it, I figured out like, no, when he deletes time, he deletes time like universally for like everyone oh. in the world. Like, that's the only way that that works. <laughs> so do you think, like, deja vu ability, like moments are just because of him? I think that's probably, yeah. Because, like, that, it's really weird. Like, if everybody in the world feels like they lost, like, almost, like, up to 10 seconds, well, you think that would be would, bad. you think everyone would be like, wait, you, you felt that, too. And it'd be like a phenomenon that everyone wrote about. Right? Yeah, everybody. Like, I'm sure certain people would just be, well, certain people would be asleep, so they never know. Certain people would just be like, uh, that was weird. I don't know, move on with their life. But there would be some people who are in situations where losing 10 seconds is not something they will forget. Like there's a lot of situations that could be in. It it also makes me wonder what would happen if he went up against a Jotaro. Ooh. Yeah. Like how do these two. (sighs) Because one stops time, one deletes time. Can he delete the stop time or is him (laughs) stopping the the time? It, or is stopping the time, not allowing him the opportunity to delete the time, and then your brain runs out of your nose. Leo, you're going to break your brain, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. The next show broke, oh, broke the next me show. in different oh. ways. Oh, Domestic Girlfriend. You wrote way too much for this oh. dude. What? Oh, I didn't write quite there's, enough. I there's don't something know. wrong with you. Domestic Girlfriend was not that amazing. Let me tell you how amazing episode eight of Domestic Girlfriend, Then I oh, Don't Have look, to Be an Adult, was. <laughs> Let me tell you my, my funny little story right down here. Okay. So I'm sitting here watching it, and we know I watch it. It's on high dive, so I can like watch it at two times the speed and just get it over with. <laughs> and like Bob comes in the kitchen, and he's like, why does that show sound so funny? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm watching it at two times speed. And then he's like, oh, what's it about? And I was just like, oh, shit. So I told him, and honestly, God, truth, he immediately goes, is this a porno? (laughs) Well, yes. I go, actually not. It is not a porno. He's like, if you say so. And then walks back to his room. (laughs) Whatever you you need to tell yourself. 
Uh, you should tell Bob that they are making a hentai version of episode one. So it is indeed a porno now. <sighs> I mean, it already basically was. They just had to just go a little bit extra. That's mm-hmm. all. I'm just like all the shows we're watching this season, and this is the one you asked me what's it about. <laughs> you could have asked any other show; it'd have been immeasurably better. Uh, no, I have so, to tell you about these uh, siblings fucking. <laughs> Sorry. <yeah. laughs> Bob's from Indiana. He gets it anyway. <laughs> That's Kentucky. I wish that wasn't true, but I mean, let's be honest; it kind of is. <laughs> so. Natsuo is frustrated, as he often is, because uh, Rui's like still being really cold with him at the beginning of the episode, and he can't understand a woman's mind. And so she also asks if Natsuo can stole her underwear. Can understand a woman's mind? Y- uh, okay, can. we're not that hard. We're pretty simple. <laughs> you make it harder than it needs to be. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I mean, if we're if we're honest, you're like, oh, you didn't want to be that. I wanted you to be that honest. So, like, what do you want? I mean, that sock puppet you had with you at the bar really confused me. I didn't know what you were doing with that. <laughs> Get me more vodka! Um, <laughs> so she she also asked if Natsuo stole her underwear because they're missing from, like, the clothesline. He's like, why would you ask me? Why would I do that? Blah, blah, blah. He gets, like, really defensive. Meanwhile, a new trope in the form of this beautiful blonde man named Alex, uh, who is a new kid at the school... This blonde gaijin boy is introduced to the show. He comes barreling down. Wait, did you and call into- him a new trope? Yeah. Well, no, for this show. Okay, for the show. Yeah, I was like, no, no, no. a foreign blonde. That's not new. <laughs> no, no, he's just an old trope in this show. Why they felt the need to introduce this dude? Well, I don't care because he's so why, ridiculous. Why do they feel the need to even do anything in this fucking show? Because well, he, what, what purpose does this guy serve? Well, he's a threat because he wants to go out with Rui. Um, I mean, but that could have been anyone. I mean, she's hot. That's true, but he's funny, so I don't care. <laughs> he's like, I don't care. I just want he, the funny. He's literally riding a bicycle down an indoor hallway and crashes into Natsuo and then yells in English, <laughs> My life sucks! I know. And it's the best thing ever. <laughs> I, I think my favorite of his English lines is like, this is this, and that is that, or something like that. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. But, like, he also, they go to the Cafe Lamont, and, like, he introduces himself as, I'm an American-made stud of Japanese descent, oh, when he introduces himself to Marie. Uh, and, like, Marie warns him, like, you know, there's been this underwear thief reported in the area. And, like, Alex tries to talk all big, like, underwear are just cloth when no one is wearing them and they're both like oh really like tell us about all of like the girlfriends you've had and what ages they were and he's just like uh <laughs> he's not a player um and so Natsu uses his knowledge oh so like on their way home they see this underwear thief like run out of a house with like a bra and they chase after him and like Natsuo knows the streets well so they get they corner him and, like, Natsu is, like, holding the guy, and then Alex jumps, like, 15 feet in the fucking air and does a flying kick and yells, like, say your prayers! And I just love this guy. <laughs> I don't know why he's in the show, but I love it. Um, and so they're, they're at the police station, like, wrapping this up, and, like, Rui shows up to, like, identify her underwear. <laughs> and then Alex asks Natsu, like, hey, that girl's super cute. Can I go out with her? And he's like, I guess. I don't know. 
Um, I guess. I don't know. I also <laughs> love that response. Like, well, he doesn't actually say that, but like he basically doesn't say anything in return. He's just like, uh. Um, and like apparently most of the underwear the thief stole were in small sizes. So he apparently had pedophile tendencies, according to Rui. So I love anyway. They, and, and they don't actually say pedophile tendencies. They say lollicon. Oh, no, they, they say do. lollicon oh, in yeah. Japanese. And I was like, well, you could just say he's a pedophile. <laughs> but I well, guess I'm lo- glad in English they at least correct it. I think in Japan, lollicon is pretty close to the meaning of pedophile. I mean, it's a little yeah. different. Pretty much being it's, the same yeah. thing. There's but some it, cultural differences kind of has there. Like a, yeah. I guess it's because it's more... This sounds so fucked up, and it is fucked up, but it's more mm. acceptable in Japan to be a lollicon than it is if in America you were to say someone's a pedophile or like has pedophile tendencies. Well, there yeah. is a very stark difference in that like drawn characters are not real people. So they're, yeah, there's a difference there. Yeah. Um, uh, so that night when they're prepping dinner, Natsuo mentions to Rui that Alex is interested in her and she gets angry at him for trying to set her up with another guy and like storms away all jealously. And so he goes to her room later with some of his signature yaki udon. And she's like, oh, sit on the bed and talk with me. And he like tries to apologize. talk, I mean with your mouth on my Yeah, with, with your lips, your, your supple lips. And he kisses her and then he like reaches up for her breast to like Honk, honk a little bit. Honk, and she's like, honk. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh my god, be calm now. That's what I know. he was doing. He was now like, I know. Burr, burr. I, I'm just imagining the women who you've made out with, and they're just like, This is what he chose to do. Honk, honk. That's the only move he knows. Like, I'm not saying I would do this. Uh, I'm saying this is what he did. Sure, be calm, um, sure. And she like stops him at first, but then she's like, you know what? I don't really mind. Honk away. And, uh, <laughs> Honk and then, away. Because no one can close a fucking door in this household. Hina walks in on them while they're kissing. And why is it never also- like the parents? Like, well, why they're, is it they're, always- they're obviously always fucking like bunnies. Well, okay, like, they like- love- <laughs> Have you noticed that the parents are never around ever except like at convenient? I, I don't know. Like, at, like in breakfast reality- and dinner and that's it. Yeah. yeah, in reality, that's- the parents would be the ones walking in on these kids all the time. Re- yeah, but this is anime. And this happens right. in every anime. Hina's like holding this real book in her hands, which I looked up. It's called Fate by author Keiga, Keigo Higashino, which is like a murder mystery. But I really couldn't find anything about the synopsis of the book to figure out like how it would relate to this scene, except that it's like like a big reveal of like something that's been going on. But that's about it. Um, and so Natsuo runs after Hina and he actually tries to say, it's not what it looks like. Oh, I know. And you're just like, it's exactly what it looks like. I know. I was (laughs) like, but you did let her kiss you. Like you didn't fight. And then you did touch her boobs. It is (laughs) what it looks like. He just didn't touch them. He honked them. He honked them. (laughs) And so like she tells Natsu, like, nothing you say right now is going to change my mind. Like, leave me alone. And like Rui goes in to talk to her instead. And Rui tells her, like, I'm the one who initiated things because I actually might like Natsuo. And like Hina's like, but he's your (sighs) brother. And she's like, well, he's not blood related. (laughs) And like Hina's like, well, I think our mother would be freaking sad if she found out, though. And so. Then there's this like pretty funny short cafe. cafe it scene. makes you wonder if the dad would did like you know do the shoulder bump like eh. 
<laughs> oh god i think he'd be totally into it he'd be like all right good job natsuo i'm impressed um <coughs> we gotta yeah, get so those I birth think- rates up yeah. <laughs> no, but just imagine if you dated your stepbrother or stepsister and then it didn't work out. Like Oof. it's one it's fucked up enough if you marry them, right? But at least like you can but like what if you date your stepbrother or stepsister and then it then you break up and then they're at your family things for the rest of your life and you bring like your future spouse and you're like, Yeah, this is my stepbrother and my ex cough cough. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought, oh man, that'd be oh, pretty shit. awkward. Be like, um, we just don't talk about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's they move on to this cafe scene where Natsuo tells Alex that like Rui turned Alex down, but then like Alex notices that Natsuo is all depressed and tells him like, well, in Japan it may be considered admirable to express your emotions without words, but. You can't tell what someone is feeling unless you ask them. And you also need to tell them yourself if you want them to understand, which has been like a thing in a lot of romance anime that, you know, but, but it's nice that Alex is telling Natsuo this. Uh, and Natsuo goes, well, like, would, well, shouldn't you tell Rui in person then? And Alex, like, this is where Kat was talking about, responds in English, that's one thing, this is another. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not. It's completely the same thing. Yeah. Um, I also just love when I hear Japanese people trying to pretend to be Americans with, like, speaking English. Like, it doesn't (laughs) matter how good they are at it. Like, it's just the weirdness because you can tell that they're not a native speaker. It's almost always awkward. Well, it's a little... I I don't know why I enjoy it so much. I don't don't know if I'm just like, ha-ha, I can tell. Like, I don't know. (laughs) You must have really liked it in uh, Asobi Asabase then. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, did. That was great. <laughs> yeah. She was pretty good. So that night, uh, Natsuo tries to explain to Hina that his feelings haven't changed since they went to the beach together, and she basically responds, then why the fuck did you make out with my sister, basically? Uh, and she tells him, like, she's moving out of the house. Well, and- no, but, like, you, you make it like she's mad at him, and she she actually isn't. And that pisses me off a lot because she, she, she almost gives him a pass and she's like, but if I stay, I'll like you more and I'll maybe, start liking maybe you. Maybe she's a little jealous. Yeah, she is jealous. she even says yeah. it. She's like, I'm je- a little jealous and blah, blah. And I'm like, he did something dumb and your response is, ooh, I like you. And so I'm going to move out because I don't want to be jealous. Like, you're not like you're an asshole. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I guess what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's solely weird. She's like, this jealousy might take over, and I'll do something I don't want to, I can't take back, kind of thing. Um, if anything, you'd be like, oh, good thing I didn't do anything with that guy because it turns out he's an asshole. Instead, yeah. you're like, oh, I like him even more. It's like, no. Mm-hmm. And so Natsu's dad suggests, like, when when they hear that Hina's going to move out and live on her own, they're like, oh, let's go to this pre-festival vigil thing together as like a last thing we do. And so at the festival, Rui tells Natsuo that, like, part of the reason Hina's moving out has to be because of what we did. And I'm like, wow, you figured it out, Sherlock. Good job. You think? And she's Maybe. like, we should hold off on this whole kissing each other thing for a while. And it's like, yeah, you probably should. You should probably um, just never do it again. Permanently <laughs> hold off on it. Uh, also, Hina is like the god of goldfish scooping. She catches 46 goldfish what? in one okay. scoop. What? No, 
want to know. I, I don't. Is there something I'm not understanding about goldfish scooping? Because I'm like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> Which she had like, she must have had one of those drag nets that they use on like commercial fishing boats. Like, oh god, she wasn't like, using a little scoop here. Yeah, like the, like the guy didn't specify that it couldn't be your own scoop, and she just pulls like out of her kimono, <laughs> like she was hiding it, like between her legs, and was like, ha ha, and like has a giant net. And then like she oh. like is trying to show off to like for some kids, but she accidentally drops her phone. In the goldfish tank, and so it breaks. And so this gives Natsu the chance because he finds Hina in the crowd and like says, like, well, since you don't have a phone, I should hold your hand so we don't get, you know, separated. Something they do in a whole bunch of festival anime. Um and so they find the secluded area, and Hina explains like she's been thinking of moving out for a while, so she he shouldn't feel responsible for it. But Natsu knows she's not telling him the whole truth because she says this is for his sake. And something that's necessary for her as well. And, like, then, like, Natsu gets, like, kind of grabby. He won't let go of her hand. And, like, Hina, like, has to bite him to get away. Um, however, <sighs> Marie is in the crowd and, like, grabs her for Natsuo. And she, like, screams. She's like, eee! Um, And then he scolds her for, like, losing her temper as an adult. And she responds with, like, the episode title. Well, I don't need to be an adult. Uh, and as as if to cement this metaphor, like, Ayano, who's, like, the blonde woman who works at the cafe, has a, her son at the festival. And he, like, offers Hina, like, a lollipop. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, you don't always have to be an adult kind of thing. And, like, she takes it and tears up. And then Maria gives Natsu some really fucking good advice, which is, like, when she starts talking again, don't fucking say anything until she's done. <laughs> 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 which is great advice, let me tell you. <laughs> You learn a lot you guys if you just there. shut up and let the other person talk. <laughs> yeah. That is good advice in any situation. Yeah, especially like situations where your sister accidentally catches you making out with your other sister and gets mad at you. And it's best because to you up. just confessed your love to her like <laughs> the, the day before. And so, and so how dare you cheat on her with her other sister? Yeah, those, yeah. those awkward moments that we've all been in. So Hina tells her, like, uh, she always felt that she had to keep things together growing up because, and she was jealous of Rui because Rui had this free spirit, but also had this really strong grasp on her own individual identity, unlike Hina. And that's one of the reasons she's moving out. Like, her jealousy came flowing out when she saw them and she knew she couldn't stop herself from doing something with Natsuo and had to leave before that happened. But now she thinks like, oh, maybe I should just stop lying to myself and pretending that she's a perfect adult and who doesn't want something like this to happen. And so she's basically saying like, I really do want things to happen with Natsuo and I need to accept that I don't need to be perfect adult about this. And so Natsuo is like jackpot, and like hugs her, tells her like, you don't have to respond, but I'm going to operate under the assumption that you're in love with me. Ugh. And like the show ends in this, like, insert song. With, and, like, the chorus of the insert song is like, I'm always here for you. <laughs> it's just, like, ridiculous. And there's, like, this short post credit scene where, like, they're, stand- they're walking behind the rest of the family, holding hands. And it's like, oh, God. Oh, this like, is getting bad. Get stuck. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> Now I'm just imagining there's going to be like a threesome scene that's going to get even more raunchy. And... Oh, I hope so. <laughs> oh, it's going to be terrible. I'm excited for next episode, for sure. Now that she moves into her own apartment, 
We'll see what happens. Oh, man. Oh, no. Anyway. Let's move on. That was fun, Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so we got Kaguya-sama. Love is war. More love shit. Love is war. So the first first, uh, little skit... There's this cute fucking middle schooler. The Emoto! Yes, it's always the fucking Emoto. Um, uh, I told visits, you she'd be back. I know. Middle schooler visits the high school. Name is Kay. It's Shiragane. Uh, guess, guess whose sister it is. It's Miyuki's sister. The Siscon sister. Yeah. Good. So, of course, Kaguya's like, ooh, I need to suck up to this bitch. <laughs> That's well, like, yeah, it could be. Thought. It could be her sister-in-law someday. Ooh, yeah. I need to suck up. This and, is her in. Like, and then at the very, like, the very first thing she says is she's worried about her brother being in this meeting. And I could not understand what the fuck this was about. Did it you It was like guys- a meeting. Yeah, it was like a meeting okay. of the heads of all of the clubs. Yeah, yeah, so, like, this is what they say. It's a meeting of the head of all the clubs, and she heard about this rumor that a student's dad was transferred to another country <laughs> because this, a student council, and this is exactly what it says, a student council president who was transferred to the school made an insulting comment at a meeting and found it difficult and to live in Japan afterwards. And I was like... <laughs> What are they implying here? What is happening? Well, the families in this school are so powerful that they, if, like, you insult one of the wrong ones, their family can just, like, make what their dad move to fucking Siberia is what it's implying. <laughs> I guess. I don't, it was so, it was weird. I was just like, what? I guess that's what it's implying. I, I like how you're reading into it so much. And I'm like, it's, it was just a joke. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I was like, I don't understand. But anyway, so, um, yeah. And then, I don't know. Yu comes in, and Kagi is in the middle of being like, I'm going to look competent and badass in front of, of K, and then it's going to be great, and da 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 And Yu comes in and just fucks it up and is like, I'm the competent one, da 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 and, uh, and, of course, Kagi is like, ah! And then, then she, like, instead of trying to salvage the situation goes into this weird fantasy land for a while that Kaguya is really fond of, I've noticed. Have you have you noticed this? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like it. I don't like it. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but so she like fantasizes about being like best friends with the sister and all this <laughs> bullshit. And I'm like, pay attention to reality. Um, and then, like, the narrator is saying in the background, like, Kaguya is starving for familial love. And I'm like, why? It seems like she has she no has... family. She's an only child. Well, but, like, she has parents. Yeah, but they also, like, expect a lot of her and probably have, like, put a lot of, like, burden on her shoulders to, like, carry on the family, like, I get flame. That. I get that intimately, but, like. Yeah. It's not you guys as are if she's speculating out on the street, way too like, much. <laughs> you know, dying. You know, no, no family, an orphan or anything. Um, no, it's a fantasy for her because then she would be super good friends with her crush's sister. I mean, that's that's all it is. Well, yeah, yeah, I know, but we're we're not talking about that. We're 
Anyway, Leo. Um, Wait, that is what we're talking about, right? We were talking about the familial love thing, though. Yeah, that's part of it. Well, part, it's part of the whole situation, yeah. Yeah. Um. So anyway, then Chica comes in, and it turns out that Kay and Chica are already like besties. And so that, <laughs> that role is taken. I had a le- legitimate good laugh at that point because it was pretty funny <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, because like her little sister is actually like really good friends with her. Yeah, we find out that Chica has like an older and a little sister. Like her little sister's named Moeha, which is like the most adorable fucking name. Moeha. Uh, yeah. And her her young her older oh, sister, God. which they show in like one shot, is named Toyomi, who looks really hot as well, by the way. Yep. Oh man. And she and, and like she's pissed <laughs> off as fuck. Like the death eyes come out. And she's already like, Oh, I hated us so much. And then then she says the one thing that Kaguya least wanted to hear. Chikane. <laughs> Basically calls Chika her sister. And Kaguya's like, what? And like almost dies. And like her world is shattering around her. And then Chika's like, Kaguya, why don't you come with us to the store this weekend? And I'm convinced that if she had not done that, Chika would be dead at this moment. <laughs> yeah, and like time. Kaguya's eyes go all wide. And, like her eyes are drawn in the cheek, the style of Chika's face in that moment, which I thought was really adorable. Like, like a good nod to like, oh, she's just like Chika in this moment. She finally let her like guard drop. <clears throat> yeah, she's so happy. Like, oh, um, and then later they have this interesting scene where like Miyuki asks. Hey, the sister, like, oh, did you have a good time? Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And she's like, yeah, it was fine. Da, da, da. And then she mentions that she was so nervous around Kaguya that she couldn't carry on a conversation. And I'm like, wait a fucking second. Does the sister have a crush on Kaguya? Let the Kaguya ship go. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Launch that ship, baby. She's oh my love. Gosh. It's so good. I, I actually didn't feel like it was love. I just felt like she really looked up to her. Oh it no, could be, she's but got she gets blushy cru- though. She's got a fucking crush. This is gonna be good. There's so gonna the be whole, a skit about this. The so the like basically all the Shiragana family has a crush on Kaguya, is what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe she'll go over to their house and like the dad will be in love with her too. <laughs> be even more awkward and creepy. Um so the next skit should be called Everyone is Fucking Lying. But it's not. It's called something else and I forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's uh, Miyuki Shiragane Can't Lose. Yeah. I don't know. Another but, boring uh, name. Basically, I like Everyone is Fucking Lying better because it's more truthful <laughs> and more fun. So exams are coming up. The pres- okay, Miyuki pretends that he doesn't need to study and that cramming is silly. And he's like, ah, you don't need to study the few days before the exam. You just need to take it easy. blah de blah 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 But in reality, he's been, like, cramming nonstop for ten days and, like, has even taken off work, which for him is anathema. And, like, he's had the highest score for three years in a row. And he's like, I must maintain the crown and he's like all into it um 
And Kaguya is all obsessed with being like, I will dethrone him. And like is also being obsessive. And <laughs> you apparently failed last time. And Kaguya, like you think that she, she's like, oh, she's worried for him. And like you acts like he's going to go home and study. But then it's like, I love the narrator is like, but in reality, he's actually going to play video games. Hell he just yeah. bought a new one, and he doesn't care. <laughs> I'm a lot like you in this. Like, I cannot stop myself from buying a video game like two days before like an important test oh or like a, like a job interview or like something extremely important that will ruin my life if I play the video game. But I usually get by okay anyway. But yeah, it seems to be ruining you's like school career. <laughs> I don't know if that's what it is, but that's ruining it. But obviously, it's not helping. I don't know. Yeah. But they're, I don't know. And then their lies of not having to study both Kakios and Miyuki's make Chika, an actually decent student, decide not to study. Yep. And, and then they have like this side thing where they're like, and Chika wonders why her grades keep dropping. <laughs> she, little little would she suspect the deception and i'm just like oh my god like stop bluffing um <laughs> at this point they show like it's like another flash of you basically like just completely blowing off studying playing video games and like his score from the last test is in the background or something yeah and he got 197 out of 199. So out of like almost 200 students, he got like almost the worst score. <laughs> Third worst. Yikes. In the entire fucking school. And you're just like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> and then, okay, so then they, they come out with the results. Like everyone's fucking freaking out. Kaguya ends up getting second again. And she act she she acts like okay I'm fine like I I you know I'm not disappointed da, 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 da. but like inside she's so upset and like furious and of course Miyuki is like oh I'm not that thrilled I just am relieved it's over and then he goes into the bathroom and is like shadow boxing and is like yes I won fucking won bitch and like is excited <laughs> as all shit that annoyed me because I have a a friend who's kind of arrogant and he like does that shadow boxing shit and annoys the fuck out of me. Yeah, like, listen, <laughs> let's all just be honest. And then I love at this point the narrator's like, the final exams of lies and deception then ended. And I'm just like, I mean, it's not wrong. Um, <laughs> and then they show like how Kaguya just like basically decided halfway through studying that. Like, she was going to make it so you didn't fail. Because <laughs> she yeah. found out about his fucking bullshit that he was pulling. And she's like, I got to do something that's affecting the student council's reputation. Like, da 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 And she gets him alone. And he's, like, terrified. Like, almost pissing himself. Like, gonna die. And there's, like, this scene where she's burning this candle that looks like one of those S&M candles with, like, the low <laughs> the low heat wax, you know? <laughs> and she's got, like, a crop. And I'm like, what is this S&M scene? 
And and she's like, I'm going to take your blip blooping device. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> Which is like his PS Vita. And I just yeah. thought to myself, oh my god, she knows even less about video games than me. <laughs> <laughs> I at least know that it's not a blip blooping device. <laughs> Uh, and then she just force feeds him healthy snacks and makes him study. And he's mm-hmm. like, why are you torturing me so? And like, <laughs> apparently she just makes him fucking do this until he loses the willpower to resist and just does it obediently. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end, he was like, well, I hated it, but she did it because she cares, really. Um. And I really like the part. I thought it was actually pretty sweet where Me too. like the yeah. the kids are like whispering in the library and she stands up to them and is like, I'll hang out with who I want. And like, I don't really think I should base who I hang out with on what you say about it. Um, and it made me really wonder like what happened in middle school, because I feel like something happened to him that made him start not wanting to go to school. Mm-hmm. Probably. It's like probably yeah, yeah, for sure. there's something there. I wonder if they're gonna go more into it or if it's just gonna be implied and then they're just gonna not touch it again. It'll be interesting. I really liked Kaguya standing up for him though, because it made me like her character in him and his character both more. Uh like simultaneously. That was a really good scene. Yeah, I really liked it. Um and then I mean he he passes and she's still not happy. Cause she's like Dude, you could have done better considering all the time I spent helping you pass. Yeah, well, he still kind of had like a shit score even though it passed. <laughs> yeah, well, but he made progress. Uh, but then I kind of thought like, well, if she had spent all that time she spent on you, on herself, she could have probably beat Miyuki. And so like, that's a little valid, right? Yeah. Like, that's not cool. And then... Was... Oh, sorry. You I continue. this whole fucking episode, every single one of these skits, Kaguya loses. <laughs> and that's fucking shitty. I demand recompense. <laughs> She'll probably get it. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there, I wouldn't be surprised if you get an episode where the other guy loses always the loses. entire time. Yeah. There was um some like there was some like little brief moment during like the training sequence where like blood was just like spraying out of Kaguya's eyes and she's like stomping around and rolling around in the blood. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening right now? I think it's because like Ishigami was giving her a hard time. I don't remember, but I just remember that imagery like got stuck in Uh, my head. No, no, it was her when she was away from everybody else that she finally reacted truly how she felt about the uh, scores. About losing oh, to that, him. that's it. Yeah, that's which reacts to losing. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, she just wants to fucking win. She came here to win, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it sucked for her. That was a fun episode. Uh, I, yeah, I really liked that. Maybe like you more, which was important because I didn't like him too much up to this point. Yeah, I always, always liked him, but I did really like that scene. It really flushed them out, which is great for a comedy anime, especially. Oh, yeah. So. All right, tell us about Dororo. Oh my oh, gosh, she's still right. talking? Yeah, I'm still <laughs> fucking talking, I know. I, I never shut up, dude. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if someone kidnapped me, they'd be like, shit, she won't stop. And they'd just like hand me back. They'd be like, we can't handle her. It's too much. Well, you actually, you weren't bad at all uh, when 
we met with Brains. I, actually, I think Brains and I talked more than, way more than That's you did. That's because we've been up all night the night before drinking again. <laughs> and I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'll just drink this beer and eat these fried pickles. I love fried pickles. They're one of my favorite things. They are yeah. really good. I, I had them for the first time a couple years ago, and I was surprised at how much I like you, them. Wait a second. You had them... For the first yeah. time, a couple well, of years I ago. I hate pickles, like, f- historically. And, like, only recently have I started to, like, try them more. And fried pickles were great. Yeah. I adore all things pickled. And so, for me, fried pickles are, like, the best, the best thing. Did you pickles. dip them in uh, ranch pecan? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, okay. That's really the good. only acceptable. Wait, Leo, Midwestern do you like pickles? Ones. No. Oh god damn it! <laughs> no, just just brains and cat ate the pickles. <laughs> oh, okay, I was like, I yes, it. the pickles! I love it. Um, but anyway, the, this episode of <laughs> Dora was called yeah. the story of Saru, the and there's there's this like epic intro where a village gets like this weird black ash rain, like uh, rain down on the town. And it's and there and like this elder comes out and he's like it's nosa nokosara gumo or whatever <laughs> whatever the fuck that's worse than your I, Italian pronunciations. I know. Honestly, <laughs> I it was pretty that's decent. Just a bastardization of whatever the fuck you say it. It's been a minute. <sighs> um, and they're like, oh, and, and apparently that translates to like the forsaken cloud or so. I, I love the idea of someone in Japan hearing this, and to them it just sounds like Nurse Gumo. Like we're saying, like we spat in a corner and then tried to say it. Like we're so fucking Midwestern. Um, and they and he's like, we must prepare a bride, and so they like start doing that apparently. Um, and then Dororo and Hyakimaru are going through this hot spring area and it smells like stinky, like sulfur and Dororo hates it. And they see this bridal parade go through, but something doesn't seem right. Cause the bride just looks like, fuck, like her face is like, I hate this. <laughs> like, fuck me. <laughs> like, she's not like happy. And then a little boy runs out and tries to shoot arrows at the parade. And Dororo's like, yo, dude, like, don't shoot arrows at a, a marriage parade. I'm like, that's not cool. And tries to stop him. But he says, like, no, my sister's being made to marry a monster. Like, don't, like, don't let it happen. I won't let it happen. And he's like, well, why don't you explain it to us? And, like, if, if we want to help, we'll help or whatever. And so they take he takes them aside and all that, um, and explains you know basically they're making her marry this weird ash cloud in order to appease. It's almost Mary, like the, they're offering her as a sacrifice. Yeah, pretty much. It's like the dragon situation, kind of like in Sony medieval to Europe all over again. Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> medieval Europe where they'd be like, "Here, dragon, have this young virgin, like or whatever." It's like that. Um, mm-hmm. Dororo explains that, like, Hyakimaro can kill the monster for a fee. And, like, you know, the kids gives him, like, I love this. The kid, like, grabs out of his pocket or some shit, like, a bunch of maggots. And there's also some gold in there. 
Yeah, well, one as, tiny piece of it. Yeah, and as he's like, one keeps Ooh. maggots and gold in your pockets during that time period. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and he's like, the maggots are great food. And he's like, well, but what about the gold thing? Can you get more of that? And he's like, yeah, I can find more of that, maybe. There's plenty of that stuff where I got uh-huh. this one from. Um, and there's like, okay, then well, I'll help you. And then they have this scene where Dororo and this kid, who you find out later his name is Saru, they sneak up on these grown-ass men who are on the lookout with the bride, like, just, like, you know, guarding her. They sneak up on these grown-ass men from behind and knock them out, like, in tandem. <laughs> like, I feel like at that point, if you're letting a young child knock you out, you deserve whatever happens to you. <laughs> Yeah. That was pretty probably. pathetic and epic. <laughs> they deserved it. Yeah. Um, the sis is like, no, I won't leave because I don't want you to die. Because if I don't sacrifice myself, everyone will die. And that includes you. Um, and then suddenly the cloud comes down and like eats the two men first. Um, and Hyakimaru like, tries to attack it, but he seems to be having issues seeing anything because... The cloud is part of the monster, and so everything just looks like red to him. Like, he can't see, because everything just looks evil. So he's, like, truly disabled for the first time in the show, kind of. Like, yeah. he can't do anything. Yeah. Um, or he can barely do is, anything. This is, like, the devilish ghoul. Like, so it's one of the the ghouls that are part of the pact or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it takes the, the sister away, and it's like a giant centipede creature, and it kind of like reveals its true form in that instance. Um, and I mm-hmm. thought at first, like, because this hot spring like shoots a geyser into the sky, and it creates like a temporary opening for the sun to come through the cloud, yeah. and then that hurts the centipede. I thought that the hot spring itself was hurting the centipede. But then you find no. out later it's actually no, it's the, the, sun. the sun. Yeah. yeah. It might have been cooler if it was the hot spring, but <laughs> um Water so. hurts it. What what is it? What was that uh It's a fire type mm. Pokemon. No, I was thinking the the movie that the aliens. Oh got signs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Signs. M night Shyamalan. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um so apparently the woman wasn't Saru's real sister and he was actually raised by animals and like lived alone and the village people like shunned him which is really sad like you think if there was a child who was living on his own at the outskirts of a village someone would be like we should we should help that child but apparently not um and but but the woman came and like broke healed his broken leg and, and gave him his name because he didn't have a name before. So that's why he thinks of her as his sister. Um, and apparently, <laughs> at this moment, you find out the centipede got even fucking bigger. And they're uh, like, because it re- didn't real shed quick, its skin. He, you say he was raised by animals. I think it this was a missed opportunity for our CGI bear to make a comeback. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. We, we, need, we, need a, we need a CGI Baloo. I think that would be pretty <laughs> awesome. That would have been cool. I hope he's doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. <laughs> okay. And we find out the centipede's gotten bigger and it's like shed its giant 
fucking skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like, okay, we need to get the, on with this because it's just getting bigger. And they have Dororo dress in the bridal gown. And when the centipede comes, like, ooh, another bride! Um, hmm. He, like, tries to lure it toward Hyakimaru. But then he trips and, like, barely makes it to safety. And Saru, like, shoots it with a bunch of burning arrows. And and that does hurt it, but, like, not really a lot. Um, and then Hyakimaru, like, tries to shoot the head with a bunch of arrows. And it looks like he keeps missing. And you're like, oh, fuck, dude. But then he... You find out later, like, he was using that so that he could hear where the centipede was. Because, like, when it's bouncing off the head, the arrow, he can he can see in his mind where it is, right? It's pretty awesome, yeah. That is awesome. It's like echolocation with arrows. Um, and mm-hmm. he, sl- he uses that moment to, like, slash with the sword and, like, takes out one of its eyes. And Dororo figures this out and is like, I'm gonna help! And, like, jumps on the thing and yells and is like, Yakimaru, this is where it is. It's here. Um, but then he gets like knocked out for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I'm like, well, that didn't work out well for you, did it? Um, and he's like stuck, tied to the thing, and he's like being bounced around, and his like limp body is lolling. And Yakimaru is like yelling because he doesn't know where he is, and he thinks he's hurt, which he is hurt. Um, and. Dororo wakes up again after a while and is like, oh shit, I'm supposed to be yelling. And is like, over here, I'm near the eye. And and so Hyakimaru jumps up and like with Dororo's voice and slashes the other eye. And so now the monster's blind and it like flies up with them both clinging to it into the sun and is burning up. And then I guess its tail is another head, which is yep. weird as fuck. And like comes up out of nowhere yeah, and it's tries. It's been done before. I mean, but it's, it's weird. Yeah, still. it's still weird though. Yeah. yeah, and like comes out of nowhere and like tries to swallow Hyakimaru, but like that doesn't really work very much because it's already dying and bursting into flame. Um, mm-hmm. And they all land on the river, and <laughs> you find out yeah. like, oh, the sister is still alive too because she also lands in the river. And I'm like, I feel like that's a Yeah, fetch she hadn't been far. digested yet, I guess. Yeah, I'm like, I feel like that's some bullshit. That... Yeah, because Mio had to fucking die. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, no, I, I'm pretty sure that that would not have been the case. But okay. Um, and, then, and then the fake nose comes off of Yakimar. <laughs> plop. Just okay. plop. I just love how like little pieces of him just fall off and are replaced by new pieces and you're just like what and now he needs to like he need, he's everything smells horrible to him so he well, has to carry like a flower under his nose well because he's <laughs> in the middle of a hot spring it was oh, just surrounded sulfur. by sulfur yeah. imagine you've never smelled anything in your life and then the first thing you smell is rotten eggs oh <laughs> yeah that'd be, that'd be pretty bad. bad yeah yeah and like I, I don't know this whole thing where he just keeps getting new parts it's just like humpty dumpty you had to put them back together again, or what? <laughs> oh man! Um, and I don't know. And then they find out, like, oh, Saru didn't actually have any gold, but they did get a flower, and like, you know. <laughs> Wait, what did it, what does gold turn out to be? I don't remember. It was like this other stuff that looked like gold, but it was something else. It was not gold. It was like, like just like these yellow gold. rocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fool's gold, yeah. something. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, so they're like, well, fuck, we didn't get money. 
but we got to feel good about ourselves. And, you know, <laughs> Dororo's like, that doesn't feel, fill my belly with food. Um, and then at the very, very end of the episode, Hyakimaru is learning to talk, and he says Dororo's name for the first time. And it's like the first thing we've ever heard him say other than screaming. Um, and his voice is weird. It's like deeper than I would think it is from him screaming. Yeah, it's Dororo. Yeah, it is pretty deep. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder if he's going to start to say more than just a few little words now. now I hope then. so. I hope I so, too. Um, I like this one moment in the episode when, like, Saru and Dororo high-five, and it's exactly like that high-five from, like, Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger and The Predator, where they, like, high-five and, like, like, like basically flex their biceps oh kind of thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it is, like, their arms are in the exact same position. I was like, oh, it's The Predator. Um, I was laughing at that. But they, they were talking all big, but then they, like, both cried themselves to sleep that night because they were both kids. And mm. It took Kyakimaru kind of taking over. To, to resolve the whole situation with the centipede, but they wanted to prove that they could do it even without Yakimaru. But they got pretty far, honestly. Like they're pretty smart, but they needed him at the end. Yeah, they're getting better. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's a pretty fun episode. Uh, I don't know if I like this as much as like the Spider Girl episode last week, but it was yeah. still pretty oh, solid. Week, Spider last, one was better. And yeah, last it week is was a, a little that, repetitive. That was a really important episode. So. Yeah, yeah, it was I pretty think, awesome. I think they need to stop the like one and done type episodes now and move on to the main climax of the of the series, or it's going to get too repetitive. It could, yeah. But I it think definitely that could fall into that. We're not in danger of that happening. I think they know that too. And they're going to get on with it now. I think you guys are worried of like the monster of the week. You know, mm-hmm. he fights yeah. a monster. He gets by part back mm-hmm. and you want more storyline. Like, uh, like it goes like two episodes and like the me, you one was like really good and stuff like that. I mean, True. monster of the week can be good as long as they don't overdo it. I just think it's time considering how many episodes they have left, um, for them to get to the main climax. And I think, I think they know that like, I'm not too worried about it. So, okay. Yeah, I get that. All right. I think that's it for this week. Kat, why don't you lead us out? Uh, okay. Thanks for listening. Remember to like, follow, and subscribe to us on YouTube to get updates on new podcasts or videos. Um, you can find all our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or, you know, any podcast uh, player. Like, you can find it on there. Mm-hmm. Um. And follow us on Twitter at Nerdum Another for updates as well. Also, come hang with us on Discord, and you can see my fucking dog making a giant mess of pasta on the floor. <laughs> you, you did post that today. That was that was pretty funny. Yeah, and I was like, the fuck. I basically live with a giant raccoon that looks like a dog. Um, and that link is in the description. Um, to join the Discord, please do. We have a lot of fun. Uh, and also, fucking write us reviews, <laughs> you bitches. What what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, yeah, we haven't asked for a while. We can use some new iTunes reviews. That'd be motherfuckers. great. Motherfuckers, come on. Well, you can do it. I know you and, can. You're yeah, laying, even... you're, put, you're in your office cubicle right now. You're staring at the screen. You don't, you're not really doing whatever the fuck you're supposed <laughs> to be doing. I know it. I do it, too. Take that time, go write us a review, 
you'll get to hear it on the fucking podcast. You you can do it. I have faith. I I also want to note whenever uh, you guys do write it, for some reason it can take up to almost a month before we actually even see that review. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. So like, if you do write it and you don't hear it, like in the next couple episodes. Just give it a while because <laughs> we we don't even know it's there yet. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. All right, and then with that, we'll see you next time, motherfuckers. <laughs>